Hello and welcome to the lineup from True Blue LA Enterprises. Can I say that? That's probably not allowed. There's yep. probably some room. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, you know what? It's limited. It's, <laughs> the, the lineup with True Blue LA presented by Eric and Jacob from no. LLC. <laughs> no, it's probably not. You're right, Jacob and Eric. So we last recorded before the winter meetings, and I went in thinking there were two possible outcomes, kind of a wild uh, active winter meetings where the Dodgers would be one, uh, maybe it not the top. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, maybe not the top, but one of the big players because it's a really kind of an odd uh, offseason for them. Or it'd be kind of the winter seasons of old, not old, but the last decade or so. Yeah. Very slow. Not a ton happens. Maybe one big deal, but that, that's kind of it. 2017, 2018, those two offseasons yeah, were pretty, yeah. pretty slow. Uh, neither of those happened, and we're going to break down uh, all of the news, almost none of which involves we the have, Dodgers. We do have, after the break, I will say we do have fire and thunder coming to you. So You just had to say that before. I did. All I right. did. I put it in the notes even. I see that. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to break down the sort of non-off season of the Dodgers, kind of look what's happened around the league and where that leaves the Dodgers and what, if anything, they're going to be adding or are they just going to make do with what we got? We'll hear Eric's opinions on that after this. There's a lot of teams where this, the equivalent podcast would be a really exciting episode. <laughs> like, I'm sure at like a Mason Avenue, they're just like, woo, another signing, oh my God. It, it, they, so we'll we can start with the Mets if if you wanted uh, sure. kind of break down their offseason. We're Mets podcast now. <laughs> Steve, uh, Uncle Steve broke out the broke out the checkbook, hired both of us. That's right. Yeah, and and you know what, we're, it, we're way it, cheaper. It really does resemble the two thousand whatever that the, the, when the new ownership fourteen that that's not right. Uh, the new I, ownership, say, yeah. The 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 big years were like fourteen, fifteen, 16. yeah, where they were yeah. just like. We got to re like we got to use a lot of money quick to just reset a standard while we kind of or, develop yeah. the underbase. Now maybe maybe they really will copy the blueprint and they'll calm down, or maybe not. Maybe they'll just always be doing this. We'll we'll find out. So what did what what has happened to teams that aren't named the Los Angeles Dodgers? Yeah. So we you know we're sitting. We talked a lot last episode a lot about like the position players and um you know, what, what they need to do, what they need to add, who's going to play shortstop is Gavin Lux going to play shortstop. But what the giants and Padres have taught us is that in the NL West in 2023, you have to have at least two shortstops, like two, <laughs> two starting. If you have a shortstop, you still need a shortstop. And that's maybe they're reading the new shift rules very creatively. <laughs> that's right. Oh, so wait, if, if you name a player a shortstop, he could play anywhere. Yeah. Is that, is that what we're getting at? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. So, okay. So if the pod, let's say the Padres, before we get into what they did, they could feel the lineup with at least four shortstops at some mm -hmm. point. So does that mean all four of them can be where the shortstop normally yeah. stands? <laughs> that's that, the plan. <laughs> I, you know what? They, they've solved it. Who knows? But so, okay. So first let's, this was like, I guess it wasn't technically the winter meetings when the, when the Padres did their move. So Aaron judge like signed on the last day of the winter meetings. Right. Or like he, I guess they still haven't technically officially announced his, but came to an agreement. Um, and I believe th this happened tw tw twice in a way. Um, like the night before it was like, well, okay. Oh, we haven't talked. We haven't talked about Arson Judge. Because uh, <laughs> um, John Heyman got ahead of his skis and, and reported 
<laughs> quote, arson judge to Giants. And then, so that's hilarious in itself, right? Like, just a typo, ha, ha, ha. Then he corrected it, Aaron Judge to Giants. Then, within a few minutes, wait, you know what? Turns out I jumped the gun on this one or whatever. <laughs> like, got bad info. My apologies. So, and then by, like... What you could say, he stoked the flames to get the Yankees like more involved, I guess. And uh, they he ended up signing with the Yankees like the next morning for nine years, 360. This is a, a theme we'll get to um, in a little bit, but that was like sort of the closing of the winter meetings, roughly. And then, oh, the also, um, the the Padres at once uh, it was said they. They had like a last minute offer and were, I guess, reportedly offered more. I believe their offer was like four hundred million, and there might have been shenanigans involved. They were also <laughs> said to have offered Trey Turner more money than he signed with with the Phillies. So the Padres are sitting here holding out their money, going, "Hey, hey, take this money." And so, but after like you know Turner and Judge, you're, I guess they could do the same for Correa or whatever. But then, like, with it by like, I guess it was Friday night. I don't remember the exact date of this, but then all of a sudden they're like, uh, we got Xander Bogarts. Okay. Like, uh, so he, they signed him for, what was he, 11 280? Yeah. And um, I remember when we first kind of did an offseason look ahead, I went, ah, I, I did pick um, Timothy Swanson to be signed by the Dodgers. I'm sort of doubting that at this point. Considering they haven't been really talked about with any of the other shortstops, they do really seem to be committed to Lux from, for at least you know, from what we can publicly see. But I remember reading up also, hey, Xander Bogarts would be a good idea because it'll be a shorter term deal. <laughs> That's right. He'll be a lot cheaper. Than, uh, but here, here's the deal, though. Like. That's about right where I would have pegged his like average annual value over like a quote unquote normal contract. But like this offseason has been weird. But we'll get into like the whole thing. But so that was that was one the Giants or sort of the the Padres. So they you might know they have Hassan Kim who played shortstop. He's their like best defensive shortstop. And Fernando Tatis who's coming back from a suspension in in April. Um, he was a shortstop, also played some center field, but also not as good defensively as Kim. And there was already talk about him moving to the outfield anyway. But you have Manny Machado, who's like who came up as a shortstop. He's obviously a excellent third baseman, as is Jake Cronenworth has played shortstop. He mostly plays second. Now he's basically at first. They have Hassan Kim moving to second, and then Xander Bogarts at short with Machado at third, and Fernando Tatis at I think in right because they're going to have. Oh, by the way, they also have one. So left. <laughs> like that, that's a that's pretty ridiculous. So that, that's they're. I mean, they were good before, but like it's just okay. That you you've made your point, San Diego. You're very good. We get it. But um, so that's that's one thing. And then um, last then the other sort of tease came. Um, I guess this was what Monday night. Uh, where Ken Rosenthal had a call. He's he's been doing a lot of like I, I like the style of these, especially like since right before the winter meetings. He just like he'll just tweet out what I'm hearing, and that's kind of it's not fully the exact title of the story, but almost every story seems to be like what I'm hearing regarding X, you know. And then he'll just he has great detail. He's a great reporter, obviously. But then um, I think he and Annie McCullough and I. At least one other writer there 
oh, maybe it was um, Dan Hayes, the Twins writer, um, reported that the Giant or um, not the Giants, uh, the Mets were also in on Carlos Correa. <laughs> was, meanwhile, we had, we didn't go specifically on the Mets, but they are so they signed uh, Justin Verlander. Uh, they brought back Brandon Nimmo for eight years, 162 million. Um, they they signed Jose Quintana. They signed Kodai Senga, uh, the Japanese pitcher, for five years, 75 million. They're, they've signed, I think, eight guys so far um, this offseason. Their their payroll for next year, for like CBT purposes, I think is estimated at around 345, 345 million, which is by far going to be a record. Their tax for going over the limit is already at like going to be roughly 75 million. So they're in the like 430 range. I was looking back at this for a thing I wrote uh, last week or earlier this week. Um, the Dodgers were, you, you mentioned this where the Mets are in this, the, the early phase of the Co- Steve Cohen ownership, right? Where they're sort of building up the infrastructure, the, the development by pipeline, which they have been investing in. Uh, you just don't hear about that stuff more because it's not public, really. But like they're they're sort of building up to where they can have a more pipeline system where you develop guys, you you draft well, you bring in people and get the best out of them, that sort of thing. Um, but at, to to do that while also contending on the major league level, you just basically have incredible expenditures. <laughs> like so, the Dodgers in like um, from like 2015 to or 2014 to like 2016 ish 2015 was like the biggest year i think uh in um total payroll plus tax they were the dodgers were at like 340 million or so in 2015 but then you factor in the back back when the international bonus system was sort of more open they, they had penalties for going over but teams could just you could just you could go over uh it was a one it was like a hundred percent tax over a certain amount so like the dodgers in 2015 to 2016 that that was back when it was mid-year the dodgers paid like 92 million dollars um it was like 46 something in bonuses 46 million in bonuses that was the yadier alvarez um uh, I'm forget. Oh, Yusniel Diaz. Those are like the big ticket guys. Jordan Alvarez was in that group who they traded away, and I don't remember what happened to him after that. Anyway, um, with all that, they were probably at like Mets level now in that year. But like now, the like the international market with the last two CBAs and the draft um, has has been essentially like capped. You know, not exactly capped, but mostly. So really, the only way you can spend wildly is payroll. Um, you know, so that's what the Mets are doing. And, and so it, it sort of made sense from a, you know what, F it, we're just going to do this, that were the Mets. So it made sense they were interested in Correa. But then um, I guess Tuesday, or, you know, I guess the report was earlier Tuesday. And then the news of Correa to the Giants came Tuesday night later, mm-hmm. like, I, it was within like an hour of the, the Rosenthal. It was like it was one of those, you know. I, I, I'm not questioning the reporting at all. It, obviously, it was it was probably very sound reporting, but it, just the timing of this is funny. That you know, where the Giants, you know, you know, we can't let this one slip. We wanted to get Judge. We're here. It's another situation where, and and to be fair, Correa, premium free agent, like in his own right, you could argue he's a better bet long term than Judge. I, I mean, m- maybe, but. Um, very good move, but but another 
deal. 13 years, 350 million. Um, so that's that's where we're at, like in terms of like the backdrop of this offseason. So um, you know, you mentioned that Dodgers seem pretty comfortable with Gavin Lux. That's what they've 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 gone out of their way to say it. Like they're not gonna outright say, Yeah, he's our shortstop. You know, that's the <laughs> we're not dangling D Gordon, he's our second baseman. That's not that, right? <laughs> but like also what else are they gonna say too? They're like, you know what? We he's kind of limited. We're just gonna keep him at second. We do you know, if they are like actually talking to to other shortstops, they're not going to be like, well, they there has to be at least the 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 plausibility of them like walking away. And I don't I don't think they back themselves into a corner by any means or anything. But so we talked about the last episode a lot about the position players, how they desperately need depth. Um, I think the main thing they were going for is probably like an outfielder who could play center and. Kevin Kiermeyer is someone who they sort of targeted, um, and he went and chose Toronto. I believe his deal. I haven't seen the exact number. Or maybe it might have been nine million. I know it's it reported as between eight and ten million. I don't think that's been finalized just yet, but that's sort of where they're at. I would imagine it, that that's probably around what the Dodgers would have been willing to pay for someone like Kiermeyer. Not not that they're limited just to that for other people, but like that's sort of where we're at. But I think this episode, since we did position players a lot last time we're, let's focus on the pitching this time around already no so, what, what if i just said nah <laughs> i want no, to talk more about yeah, hitters <laughs> so uh just peeling back the curtain a little bit most of these uh the plan for this podcast was sort of set in stone we're recording on wednesday this was set in stone on tuesday literally on wednesday the dodgers knew what we were going to talk about obviously they hacked my system and saw the notes so they went and added two pitchers. One officially, um, they traded Jacob. They traded for a reliever who had a zero ERA in 2022. Closer so material, basically solidifying an already strong bullpen. Uh, you know. Oh, by the way, this reliever JP Fireisen uh, for the Rays um, just had shoulder surgery last week, and he's probably not going to pitch till August. But uh, still. You know, it, he's we'll just actually, pretend it's a trade deadline acquisition. All, all, all like kidding is that he's actually probably going to end up being a really solid pickup. Like, again, it's a reliever. You're not. It's not. It's not a sure thing. Obviously, he's also coming out surgery. Surgery. He's thirty. He's going to be thirty. Um, he was really good last year. Uh, zero ERA. Aside, his peripherals were fine. Um, he had, but he has like two years, 108 days of service time. He has two options left. So this is someone who's, who could help in the next three to four years or whatever. Uh, but again, being a reliever, those things aren't like they're volatile. So you, you, I'm not saying, Hey, they just got a guy for four years or whatever. It's not that it's more like he could help them down the road, but he does take up a 40 man spot now, which, which will, sort of get into how they sort of plan in the offseason. You can't put a guy on the 60-day injured list till spring training starts in February. So for two months, he's sort of in limbo. Same thing with Walker Bueller, same thing with Blake Trinan. They're taking up spots on the 40-man, which which has a cost to it because it limits sort of what you do. You have to, like, make a corresponding move if you're adding more, more and more guys. So, But to get an idea of what it might cost to get a starting pitcher, right, before we get into the other picture, the Dodgers acquired. Let's let's check the overall free agent market as a rough guide. I use the MLB trade rumors top fifty free agents. So 
now obviously it's not the be all end all, but they they have like contract guesses. Their um, Fangraphs did contract guesses. Um, Jim Bowden at the Athletic did contract guesses. There's there's more ESP Kylie McDaniel at ESPN. There's plenty of them. I just chose this because it was an easy list to sort of peruse. So to date, 33 of the top 50 have signed. Four contracts were nailed exactly, mostly because they were kind of obvious. Uh, Hershaw getting one year and 20 million. Hey, that became uh, official, by the way. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. Oh, that did. That's right. <laughs> uh, as did. Oh, um, did we? Was Shelby Miller also? No, we both we both were still unannounced when we last recorded. Oh, it was unannounced. Okay, that's right. But it yeah, was. Yeah, it was. A, we we that. talked about it. Yeah, just unannounced. Okay. Uh, Kodai Senga, they pr- correctly predicted five years, seventy-five, and then the two the two players who accepted the qualifying offer, uh, Jock Peterson and Martin Perez. So those are the four that they got. So there's twenty-nine other uh, players who have signed. Um, Twenty-four of them got more total money. Um, Eighteen of them got a higher average annual value than the predicted contract. Um, the and then but the years were like split kind of evenly. 10 got more years than expected. Uh, 12 got the exact same years as expected and seven got fewer years. I would say very generally the trend is leaning more toward uh, more total money. And if you look at like the top, top free agents, like some of the ones we mentioned, they got a lot more than like the total contract, but at maybe a lesser average annual value. Um, So that, that gives us sort of a, uh, a baseline to ha- to view how the Dodgers uh, have not made official this signing. By the time you listen to this, it might be official. But Noah Syndergaard is uh, has agreed to a contract with the Dodgers for one year and thirteen million. Um, that makes him on the less costly side. Uh, so of the group that have signed, only five of them got less uh, total guarantee than the the MLB trade rumors guess so he they had him at three years and thirty six million so he got a little bit uh, more of an average uh, annual value it's just one year I just re- but, I just realized re- uniting him with Dustin May so that's right uh, I I believe so I think at least I've seen at least three people and I, I'm I'm assuming it was independent um, I I believe Bill Plunkett was one of them underdog uh, Craig on the site uh, uh, mentioned this but. I believe he said uh, that now they have Cindergard and Gingergard, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, so they had Cindergard ranked as the 21st ranked free agent on MLB trade rumors. So he made 21 million last year. He was also kind of so so, right? He's going to be 30 this year. He had a 394 ERA. His peripherals were a little worse. He had the worst strikeout rate of his career. Um, he pitched 134 innings. He also had Tommy John surgery in 2020. He only made two. In- he pitched in two innings combined in 2020 and 21. So last year was his first year back. His his four seam fastball averaged 93.6 miles an hour. That's four ticks down from pre surgery. So uh, you could you could say like maybe he's further removed from surgery. Some there's some upside there. Um, that's probably the play like here. That's probably why he did a one-year deal. He's trying to rebuild value, that sort of thing. Um, but that's sort of where we're at. So, um, first of all, before we get into like the ro- the rest of the rotation, do you have any initial thoughts on, on Cindergard? You know, uh, saw some sort of general talk on Twitter and Reddit, noting that a lot of the Dodgers' better reclamation projects have not been. Mm-hmm pitchers historically associated as sort of throwers uh, as, mm-hmm. as 
uh, Syngard is. Yeah. Um, but you know, one, it's possible that, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I can't substantiate this. I don't, I had seen that maybe he's working out at driveline. So perhaps yeah. he can pull kind of a Verlander and find that velocity again, or perhaps they can make him more effective, you know, with sort of that, uh, the, the, the slider they've been teaching everybody, it seems, and, and kind of tweak the arsenal a little bit or improve his existing arsenal to, even if, the, you know, he only can get back up to say 95 or even lower, still able to, to pitch. Uh, effectively and sort of reinvent himself. I forgot to include it in the notes here, but I will say there's a couple encouraging things, at least for me, his sort of, uh, as, as sort of, you know, like meh that he was last year, that's probably harsh, but like uh, he did limit like exit velocity and hard hit uh, balls relatively well. He wasn't like near the top of the league or anything, but he was, he was above average in, in like, limiting hard contact that sort of stuff that that's sort of in a weird like obviously they're different pitchers but that's sort of where tyler anderson was at before last year and he like took it to another level the other thing i forgot to mention was eno saris at the athletic just absolute guru and expert when it comes to like actual pitching styles and stuff and things like that so he has a metric called location plus that sort of measures like a pitcher's command um and Syndergaard, you know, like for being a hard thrower as he is, he actually does have five pitches. Now, two of them, he has two-seamer and four-seamer, um, and then um, curveball, change-up, slider. Yeah. No, and, th and that was definitely sort of unfair on my bet. I guess I've no, been no, a, a big quality was how fast you're he right. throw He throws the super hard, so yeah. he's it, it does it, he does stand out for that. Like, but but what Eno's noted, what he was one of the like I think I don't remember maybe there were ten total pitchers that had was like above average um on location um on like at least five pitches and so if you can throw that many pitches like for strikes you're you're probably going to be in a good spot um so yeah just maybe improving on the edges probably gets him a little bit better but so that there there's there's certainly signs for like a um a rebound there but let's let's look at what he sort of steps into so the Dodgers right now um, they their rotation is five pitchers deep um, to start the season. Um, Julio Urias, obviously, coming off Cy Young votes for two years running. So in 2021, counting the regular season and postseason, he was um, 200, just over 200 innings, 202 thirds exactly, uh, and then 180 innings last year. That that by far leads the group. Um, Clayton Kershaw who came back. Uh, 121 innings in 2021, 131 innings in 2022. Nigonsolin, um, so he was limited by shoulder stuff in 2021, only pitched 72 innings. Last year, he went 133 and two-thirds. That counts the playoffs. That was just shy of his professional high, which is uh, 139 and two-thirds in 2018. Now, and he was gangbusters until an elbow injury knocked him out all of September. And then he, we saw like he was limited uh, towards the end of the year and the, and the postseason. So that's an issue. It's something to watch, but like, that's where he's at. And I think, I don't know what you can count on in terms of like number of innings for him, but like just if they can get some level of like where he was last year, maybe improve a little bit uh, like just, I don't know, durability wise, or I don't know how you sort of prevent that. 
Then you have Dustin May, obviously, like easily like the best stuff on the staff. Even if like Walker Bueller was healthy, even no matter, he's he has great stuff. Um, but he's also coming off Tommy John surgery. Fifty-one total innings last year, the majors and minors. This will be his like first normal offseason in a little bit, so that's that's good. That's a positive. And then you have Syndergaard, who uh, just had his first like sort of complete season since Tommy John, so maybe he's further removed. That sort of thing. So. On the 40-man roster, they also have Ryan Pepio and Michael Grove, who started last year. Um, and then you have, we've talked about like before, off the 40-man, Gavin Stone, Bobby Miller are probably going to make uh, an uh, imprint at some point. They're going to make starts. But before we get into the rest, let's let's say um, of these of these five pitchers, Urias, Kershaw, um, Gonsolin, May, Syndergaard, how many or how often will they pitch for the Dodgers in 2023? We're going to guess starts, total starts and total innings by those five. Okay. I'm playing. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'm going to let you know right now. I'm going to be really yeah. boring on this. I'm going to, I've got to, I've got to, I read the head. I have a strategy. I'm ready to I, go. I, I thought you were going to be like 162. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going to uh, – so uh, do you want to go – how do you want to do this? Do you want to do – you want me to do all five? Do you want to do one pitcher at a time? No, no, just to, just a total number. Oh. You, 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 oh. Can, you can talk <laughs> about your process to get to it if okay, you Okay, so I thought we were going to do each individually, and I was going to do 140 innings in 25 games for all five of them. Knowing okay, so you, you'd be at 125 and 700. There you – yeah, there you go. Okay, um, so that that's your guess? <laughs> yes. 125 starts, uh, 700 innings. Okay. So I will say, again, having planned this um, the, before they signed Syndergaard, we were going to guess the four and then uh, figure out how much uh, what was left after that. In my head, uh, I had 100 starts and 550 innings for the four. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to add um, – I'm going to couch it, though, a little bit. And so I'm going to say 118 starts, and then I'm going to say, oh, um, 638 innings. Okay. That yeah. should you you know that should set a nice kind of over under the for I win yeah. if this you win if that. That's right. But also I I, I want to I sort of want to do that as an exercise because. Even, exercise. I don't want to exercise. Yeah, no, we're, yeah, God, this is the holidays. It's December. We don't exercise. Um, but even at, in like our most optimistic of guesses, that means the Dodgers have have to account for at least between thirty-seven and forty-four starts uh-huh. this year, this coming year. So um, that's also normal. Like um, the Dodgers used twelve starters last year. Uh, now, if you remove the two openers, they really use 10 starters, right? But that that's generally what happens. Like, they haven't used uh, fewer than 10 real starting pitchers in a season under the current front office. That's an eight-year stretch going back to 2015. So, in other words, we're going to see a lot of people pitch for them. Um, some of those we mentioned will be Pepio and Grove. Bobby Miller and Gavin Stoner, I'm sure, are going to be up at some point. But even with all uh, nine of those pitchers contributing – it's very clear, like the Dodgers. It wouldn't surprise me if they they signed someone else. Like last year, they signed Tyler Anderson as like the sixth starter. He started the year in the bullpen. I don't know if they're gonna like 
go out and sign another like major league deal to be that right now, given how close the other people are. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they do like a non-roster invitee um, to sort of fill fill that like let's bring another guy in here and see what we got. You know that that sort I of. I do a love thing. how excellent like the the, the Dodgers offseason moves are in like circa the mid mid teens of the like Noah Syndergaard, Jason Hayward, Clayton Kershaw, Shelby yeah, we Miller. Didn't even, oh my! We God. haven't even brought up Jason Hayward. He, he, oh, by the way, they also signed him to a non-roster invitee, <laughs> which it, it which is funny for a couple of reasons. So he was released by the Cubs uh, final year of his deal. And I believe, I think he's making 22 million, which the Cubs are on the hook for. If he makes the Dodgers, the Dodgers will be responsible for the major league minimum of 720,000. So it's very possible. Um, well, it's, it, I'd say that the Cubs are going to be on the hook for about 38.7 million uh, for both Cody Bellinger and Jason Hayward. And then, uh, in 2023. And then it's just a matter of what do the Dodgers get out of yeah. <laughs> Jason Hayward versus that. that that's sort of a, a fun little backdrop. C- Cody Bellinger, we're recording Wednesday. His, his deal, I guess he hadn't signed with the Cubs since we, re- he last, we last recorded. We didn't know that. So, um, he signed with the Cubs and that became official today. Uh, the Dodgers sent out a goodbye thing. It was a, two minute long video probably could have been longer. Uh, but no, it was, it was, it was a good video. Um, he sent out a thank you on Instagram, but, uh, yeah. So Cody Bellinger no longer, I, I had planned to sort of go through the rest of like the other starting pitchers, but that was before they signed center guard. So I'm just going to mention them. So the other, uh, pitcher starting pitchers who are in the top 50 MLB trade rumors, free agents who have not signed Carlos Radon, who the Dodgers were sort of loosely linked to, but it, it seems like the Yankees are sort of going for him as well. He's in that higher end where I, I saw something like he wanted seven years, or I don't know. That seems a lot, but this market, you don't, you never know, right? Like he, he opted out of twenty-two million dollars this year, or twenty-three, I guess, twenty-two and a half. Um, and then old friend Nathan Eovaldi is in there. He's twenty-third. Um, He's missed some time with injuries the last few years. Uh, Michael Waka was 41st. Corey Kluber was 48th. I remember, I think I texted you when Syndergaard signed earlier Wednesday that I was sort of unenthused by this, but I had mistakenly thought I placed him lower on the list than this. I would actually much rather have Noah Syndergaard than Michael Waka or Corey Kluber at this point. I, I'm not sure what else they have left, but um, that's that's where we're at with those guys. Um, but yeah, given all that, so all this talk of like free agent starting pitching, who the Dodgers have signed, all that sort of stuff. This week uh, marks the 24th anniversary of the Dodgers signing Kevin Brown uh, to a record 105 million over seven years. It was December 12th, 1998. Um, that was heading into his age 34 season. My question for you, Jacob, is this: How many starts did Kevin Brown make for the Dodgers? I will at least you know these number questions I like because I can just throw out a number and That's right. frequently you then make fun and when it's not a trivia it's a prediction you make fun of me and I end up being right so but oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll 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 have a guess you'll tell me how wrong I am after this one hundred that's my guess we're just, 
<laughs> we just came right back into this. Wow. Meteoress. Uh, how many starts did Kevin Brown make for the LA Dodgers? I seem to recall. Uh, this is so his he signed before you know it was going to games. I knew the name, but wasn't really a fan. And his trade to the New York Yankees for Jeff Weaver uh, was it was O three off season O three the O four off season. Um, right? It w- yeah it was yeah because uh, that O four season is really O uh, the Gagne in the O three and then I really locked in in O four. Uh, and followed the playoff race and all of that. And I remember and, being confused. And Jeff Weaver was really good, like, for, yeah. for what he was. Like, yeah, remember, he, he turned out to be really Because my, you know, I had a, a teacher who was a Yankees fan, and so all I had was, like, Kevin Brown's really good, and the Yankees hate Jeff Weaver. I don't understand this trade. I'm confused. And, you know, I, I had no idea how contracts worked and length and all of that. Yeah. Controllability, all of that. Um, so that means I know he only pitched for six years. I seem to recall five, maybe five. 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 I, I know math. Yeah. Uh, makes my mean want to lower my number. But I'm going to stick to my guns. I said 100, I'll stick to 100. Yeah, so I the reason I asked is because the oft, uh, he's considered during this period to be oft injured, and that's relatively correct. Um, however, he did, Kim Brown made 129 starts okay. in his five years. Now, he was, I would say, borderline excellent when he pitched, yeah. 283 ERA. He, when we do, like, pitching record questions from Craig uh, coming oh, up, yeah. maybe. He, his name comes oh, I didn't up, even for sure. Yeah. So, 147 ERA plus uh, in five years. Back, back, <laughs> when we, back when we would accept that as a savior-type pitcher before a certain other... Uh, right after the Dodgers ditched Kevin Brown, they drafted another who sort of redefined all that for us. But, um, no, he was he was really good when he pitched. But I would say really only healthy for like three and a half of the four, of the five seasons uh, he was there. But, you know, still, I, I don't, I think people like to poo-poo that contract a lot, although it, it turned out to be okay. Like yep. they, it was perfectly fine. Um, but yeah. I also did not look ahead to the questions. I just knew that they were coming up because it is time for. With Dibs and Craig. We love them. Five questions from Craig. There's my son. Uh, but we start with four. One question is broken down into four subparts of trivia for you, Eric. And this week, I, I being Craig, decided to go for statistical, statistical, wow, I can't talk, <laughs> statistical leaders in the Jacob era, which is our lovely way to say the wild card uh, time frame. Although my era really is a little after the wild card came. I was going to say, does he think, I mean, I know Craig is, is exactly right on the era, but I wonder if he's trying to make the he's trying to call you a wild card. <laughs> uh, I'll take it. What a what All a right. lovely nickname. What? That's right. The first question: Can Eric name the six six players to record three thousand or more hits since nineteen ninety five? Bonus points if you can name them from six to first. All right, let's just let's calm down with that one. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, okay, so oh, since so ninety five, um, so you're gonna have. Wait, this when he says six, is he talking about total hits? Uh, correct. Okay, um, then I will say. Don't don't tell me if I'm wrong on the order. Just that I'm just gonna name them. Um, so, um, Derek Jeter, Albert Pujols. I I will say I think I don't remember when he actually made the list. Um 
I think Miguel Cabrera is sixth. Um, and I am having a lot of trouble coming up with the the rest. But oh, oh, um, did he play long enough? Um. Oh man, now this is players who only had three thousand hits during this time period, right? Correct. Okay, because like I think Craig Biggio like made the three thousand hit club like since ninety five, but he obviously started his career before then. So, um, sorry, um, that is my way of stalling. Now, oh Ichiro, um, yep. so. This is where it gets tough because I'm just ha- I'm having a real hard time now. The only other thing person I could think of here is and, and I'm not even sure he reached this was maybe Adrian Beltre. Yeah, for yeah. So uh, he, yes, uh, I I remember his celebration very distinctly. So okay, um, and um, he's actually third for what it's worth after Pujols. Wow, um, isn't that wild? Considering how like. Yeah, he oh, could boy, one, oh, one year wonder when he left the Dodgers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and da- down period in Seattle. Yeah. That kind of that that was the sort of perception. Um, but I guess when you start playing when you're, you know, 14 or whatever yeah. he was, then you add up some no, no he was really good. Um now so I'm missing cr- one name. Yeah. Um oh boy. Um so someone in Oh God! Um, Three thousand hits. Um, here's the deal: you you really couldn't have you can't can't have started like like Cabrera started in like oh three or oh two. So you have to, and like Jeter was literally ninety five. I'm having a hard time figuring out like which which like hit type players started in that time. So I, I think I have to bow out on the six. I, I, I just can't think of it. A-Rod. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did start in 94, but only is for he, a is cup he of coffee. Fourth? So. Uh, he is fourth, yes. Yeah. And then Ichiro and then uh, Magakamura. Mm-hmm. 12 players have accumulated 10,000 or more played princes in time period. Can you name these players? 12 names. Uh, who did not uh, need a map to home plate. Hint, Eric already named yeah. half of them in that last A-Rod, question. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, okay. Uh, Can you name those? The, uh, other the other six, we'll say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so since 95... Oh, that, what's funny is the top five in plate appearances are all on the previous list, which makes sense, but it's still funny right. to me. Um, okay, so I... Th- Let's go... Um, Todd Helton? No. Todd Helton. Um, okay, so <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it. No, um, I don't know why this is like tripping me up, but 10,000 plate appearances. <laughs> when all you need is a knife. Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking of the song ironic in my head right now. Um, oh, my God. Uh, 10,000 plate appearances. So... Um, I don't know why this is, this is tripping me up. So it's the, I think my brain is shutting off, like which players like started their career 
during then, but like, I'm just having a hard, I'm having a hard time here with this. Now, Chase Utley got hurt a lot. Um, so shut up phone. (laughs) I heard Um, you mentioned Chase Utley. Yeah. yeah. I love Chase Utley. Um, wow. This is sad. Um, not a single name. I yeah, I don't I don't understand why I'm I'm blanking on this. Um I'm trying to think of like oh I okay, so what about like Jim Tome? Nope. Let's see. Now you're just... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some teams. How about that? I'm gonna right, use some fine. teams. So sure. uh one player I would I don't think had uh the rest, I think, have kind of an iconic team associated with them. The other well, moved around a lot, but I'll with Royals, Astros, Mets. Oh, uh, Carlos Beltran? No. Yeah. Uh, Hall of Fame ballot this year? Uh, you have two players, one almost entirely, and one primarily known for their time with the Red Sox. Uh, oh, David Ortiz? Yep. Uh, wait, is there another Red Sox you yep. said? Uh, primarily, and so so one almost entirely, which was Ortiz, and then primarily, uh, is, this player also played with the Yankees. Some. What? <laughs> um, uh, okay, with the Red Sox, and, the and then went to the Yankees. Perhaps shaved uh, some glorious hair and facial hair in the process. Johnny I, Damon. Johnny really? Damon. He, got, yeah. he batted ten thousand times. What a uh, what a world. What a um, world we live in. Uh, next, Braves. Um, Chipper. Yep. Next, uh, Phillies. Okay. Oh, Jimmy Rollins. He, uh, yep. Uh, yeah, he would have got that. And the next. You should have said Dodgers. I would have got it. No, just kidding. <laughs> How about this? Next, I'm going to do the same thing. Phillies, but played for other teams, including the Dodgers. Less iconic in Philly. Oh, oh definitely primarily a Philly in my mind. Oh, his last. Uh, well, no, not his oh. last stint. No, nope. can you got it? No. Um, hold on. Um, wait. How? What? Um, who? <laughs> okay, this is your. This is <laughs> dumb. Um, wait. So he also played for the Dodgers, mostly known as a Philly. Yeah. It can't. So we are. It's, it can't be Chase Elliott. It's not Ryan Howard. He, he never played for the Dodgers. But like. It's it's not Carlos Ruiz, uh, who only played for the Dodgers. Now, it's not it's not Jason Worth. It is he not Jason Worth. Much. Um, and yeah, and I would oh, also oh oh Shane Victorino, Bobby Abreu. Ah, of course, yeah, <laughs> that's you're right. All right, was, we mentioned hand, I would just pitcher yeah. pitcher trivia question for you. So we've got some seven pitchers have. I'm glad he's leading with this. Have given up three thousand hits since uh, Major League Baseball had wildcard teams. Name these pitchers. <laughs> Oh God. Okay, so um uh, oh, the next question's also Oh, great. you know what? But here's here's the deal. So it, are we starting <laughs> at ninety four or ninety five? Uh do you have his list? Uh ninety five. So that's only thirteen years of Greg Maddox. So or 90, 14 years of Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox. Um shut up, Eric. Um so there the thing is pitchers don't throw like 3000 innings anymore. So like what the hell are we doing? Um Tom Glavin started in 91. I'll let you know all of these pitchers had more than 3000 innings pitched. 
Well, yeah, I get that. I'm just saying, like, shut up. That's what I'm saying, you know. Um, okay, um, uh, CC Sabathia. He's on the list. Um, uh, he gave up 3,404. Mark Burley. Mark Burley's on the list. He gave up 3,472. Levon Hernandez. He was a metronome yeah. for a while. <laughs> gave up 3,525. He, just for the record, he I, he's really good. I just yeah. he, he just he he literally went like thirty starts for like something like crazy, like thirteen straight years or something. Um, so, um, all right, um, three thousand. Oh, I guess in this, uh, I guess Kurt Schilling, uh, not on this list, huh? Um, Pedro didn't pitch three thousand. And even if he did, he probably would have had to pitch four thousand. He went three thousand hits. Um, you have uh, one former Dodger and the uh, and two pitchers, prim- uh, largely known for pitching uh, well into their uh, elder years, and then uh, a Yankee Astro. <laughs> no, nothing else to say. Hall of Famer. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, uh, Roger Clemens. No. No, because oh. he he pitched way before it. No, yeah. you got, a Yankee Astro Hall of Famer, a pitcher. Uh, oh, Andy Pettit. Um, yeah. So uh, the, wait. So the other one is what Dodgers? That is a, pri- a primary Dodger. Is one of them? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I wonder. I had some really who, good. Had uh, some good years with the Dodgers. Who were the primary? The other. The other two. Uh, Andy Pettit's the, not in the Hall of Fame. Why did I think he was? Was I? I might have been conflating him with Moose in my head. Oh, oh! Okay. When I was talking real quick, I was trying to give you a hit. So, but you got it anyway. So, what? Uh, what about the other? The other? What are the other teams again? Uh, so one player. So yeah, here you go. Um, two again. Two players known for pitching to the elder years. I think you can get it off that. And then the other, the Dodger also pitched for. Oh, let's say the Angels and Brewers and Royals, and Astros and Diamondbacks. Not in that order. The oil uh, order would be Royals, Brewers, Angels, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Astros, Royals. What? Um, Zach Krinky. Okay, but what were what was the other team though? I didn't I didn't hear you on the the other. The oh, other the other player. two players. I yes. I did not give you teams. I just oh, got mentioned it. Sorry. that they Sorry. Uh, one pitched until he was forty nine, one pitched until he was forty five. Oh, so Jamie Moyer is yep. 49, and oh, Bartolo Colon. I'm about to say, one has the most famous home run in Mets history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, six pitchers. I love this question. Uh, forgive me for loving it, but oh, you're, you're going to hate it. Six pitchers have allowed 250 or more stolen bases since 1995. Karen, Eric, name these pitchers who let runners take that base so easily. So I don't have this in front of me, but I know Noah Syndergaard is... I think is used to be really bad at allowing stolen bases. Now he's certainly not in the 250 group because he hasn't pitched enough. But that, for some reason, that made me think of him. Um, so let's say, given 250 steals, um, I will say uh, first place in this list is by a good amount, and it does make sense if you think about it. That might not be a what, hint, but what, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> it does make sense. Like, what is? I was gonna say, like, well, Jim Abbott was kind of done by the ninety-five. No, um, 
what do you mean makes sense? Like, <laughs> uh, wait, okay, all right. Uh, no, because he didn't do it. I'm the only, for some reason, I, I just have his, the tornado wind up in my head, so I'm just going to say Hideo Nomo. Hideo Nomo gave up three, uh, 300 stolen bases. Nice, okay. Not the leader, um, though. The leader has be, 436. I was gonna, to be fair, though, he he did go from the stretch when, <laughs> and he didn't have the full windup um, when runners were on base. But um, wait, 436 or something? Um, yep. Okay. Um, Pettit had a great pickoff, which is a balk because he's a left-hander and they all cheat. <laughs> um, but uh, who are these? Is it... Um, is it Bartolo Colon? Uh, it is not. Um, is it Jamie Moyer? It is not. I'll let you know, Derek Lowe is on this list at 249. Oh, oh I just missed it. Man. I am having a hard... T- oh, Ted Lilly? Nope, I'm going to give you one more guess. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other hints by chance? Um, the you know, player in first the prim- uh, oh. uh, is a Red Sox. Oh, oh, Tim Wakefield. Mm-hmm. See? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, you know what? That does make sense. Oh, I forgot before we get into the other question. Bruce Levine, um, or Levine, Chicago uh, reporter, um, his, his deal, I because I just saw it retweeted again uh, earlier today, Cubs make Bellinger deal official. One year with a mutant option. That was his, <laughs> his, his entry into the type. Did you ever play uh, like the SNES or N64 era baseball games out as a knuckleballer? It was fun. <laughs> oh man, I don't, I don't know. I didn't. We, the my main two games were were baseball stars, and then I forgot there was like a um, a PC baseball game, which I forget which one I played. In You're like too old to have appreciated yeah. backyard baseball, which is a shame. Uh, uh, a favorite played, of the Cispitus barbecue guys, big favorite of mine. Yeah, I I'm aware of uh, Pablo Sanchez. Uh, that's the name, right? I mean, uh, I I when I I lived with my brother and his family for part of like 2001 into 2002, and so they the a couple of their kids were playing that. So I would see it, and I was aware of it. Um, so like, I'm not I'm not that. I'm I'm hip, as the kids say. Uh, no, yeah, the, the, I, I'm aware. So I'm just going to give you the names unless you wanted to throw one more out. Oh, I I, I do not. Uh, I <laughs> Greg Maddox. Yeah. H. A. Burnett, Randy Johnson, and then John Lackey. Nice. All right, and moving on to non-trivia questions. You did um. You did, did not do so great. <laughs> nope. If there is one thing that a Friedman construction team has done since 2015 is hand the ball to pitchers who have little to no Major League Baseball experience. Perhaps the Dodgers are waiting for pitchers who will take a one-year deal. <laughs> Wait, he, he's saying they have not done, right? They have not done that. <laughs> yeah, you you tell me. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm reading it as it's written, my yeah. friend. Perhaps the Dodgers are waiting for pitchers who will take a one-year deal. Hey, <laughs> I, I, were these sent before? They were. Yeah, they so. were sent before center guard. <laughs> Look, you know, Craig knows what he's talking about. Right. Um, as opposed to uh, even these two-year deals that Sean and Ross Tripling got this week. Both of them signed with the Giants, by the way. Two years, $25 million, both. 
Do you expect more NRI pitchers with shots uh, for the Dodger rotation, or is there a big signing or trade to expect for the rotation? So I th- I think Syndergaard ends up being the quote unquote big signing in that that regard. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, right. <laughs> and I, but I I do think, like I don't think they are going to necessarily. I guess unless someone like you know fell to them, but I think it's going to be some like a non roster invitee type, maybe. But like I I can't see them. I think they're just so with Syndergaard, which is not official by the time we're recording. They're going to have. 39 players on the 40 man um, with needing to, like we mentioned last episode, add probably at least two to three position players still. And you can't um, put the, the fire eyes in Bueller uh, Trinan on the 60 day IL until mid February when spring training starts. So for like two months, they're in this like limbo where, any move they make has to have a corresponding move or almost because they're at 39. Um, so like I do sort of wonder, uh, ignoring the pitcher part of this now, I don't know if it's like, if they're taking Justin Turner for granted that he wants to come back to LA, they've obviously talked to him, you know, like about this, the Marlins, I think were reported to be interested in him, but I wonder if it's more like, cause he's Justin Turner talking about the Dodgers are going to wait, uh, see what there are luxury tax wise and all this sort of stuff and come back to him. But so are they, does he, do they expect him to wait on them? That sort of thing. I, I kind of wonder if it's a thing where uh, he almost signs like right at the beginning of spring training, like as they put Walker Bueller on the 60 day IL or something to create, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like not that it's like a agreed upon thing, but either that or like, does he just say like, also they have to, sort of have a role for him um, and who, who knows how that's going to play out. Cause they, that would depend on who else they get. But like, I do wonder if that's sort of like, if it's that sort of thing. So maybe they, they could add another pitcher on a major league deal around that time. But I think it's probably going to be like a non-roster guy more likely than anything. Dodge will have a new regular center fielder and shorts up next season. Although, what? I, I, yeah. Although <laughs> yeah, I wonder true. if they'll have a regular center fielder, if that's going to be kind of a rotating spot. So anyways, finding players yeah. that are really good offensively and defensively will be a challenge and also probably quite costly. How important is the defensive part for the Dodgers? And if you had to pick a player who is good to great in defense, all of being just okay in offense, what position would you pick that one to be on the Dodgers in 2023? Uh, shortstop, probably, I think. I, I'll um, go with center. <laughs> I'll take the opposite. Yeah, and I, I, and some I, of this yeah, is just like, because I can't look past that. Like I just think Gavin Lux is a shortstop, and I expect him to be pretty good offensively. And yeah, maybe like maybe he'll blow me away, but I'm expecting about average. I I will say it would be disappointing if if look, we talked about this. I think before we recorded, where I think they're going to end up signing at least one like starter level bat. Now, where that person plays, I don't know. But it would behoove them, I think, to to sign. Now, it might be in the sort of water they're swimming in or they're choosing to swim in if they want to stay under the the, um, the luxury tax. Now, if those players might be flawed, like it could be like a J.D. Martinez who's really good hitting – but terrible and left if they have to play him there and also played 
not exclusively DH, but I think he started 139 games at DH in 2022. Now I'm just using him as, a, an, as, as an example. I think they would go more for like probably like an Andrew McCutcheon, let's just say, because I think they've been rumored to him. If they if they sign him like on a one year deal or like a two year deal or something like that, and and have him sort of as the the left fielder in this case, and then you're and then you you're moving around guys ba- based on everything else. Like the like I don't know. I, there's I can't think of a, a free agent out there who who's like really good defensively that would sort of solve this problem. I guess if they would have if they would have gotten Kiermaier center field defense like not that he would have played every day he's also coming off a of surgery himself um but like center field defense would have been at least shored up a, to a point to where and obviously Trace Thompson can play there Chris Taylor can play there Chris Taylor can also play the middle infield and I, I think with Taylor it's more he's always like the guy who okay where do we need the extra guy or whatever sort of thing. I don't think you set him to a position, but I think if, if they shore up one of the other positions, um, maybe it, it makes it more palatable to be like a little bit flawed in the other spots. Um, you know, defensively, if you like have a strong enough offense or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, I, I guess shortstop to me makes sense just because if you have, Lux at second, I think it makes them overall better. Like the 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 sort of up and comer there is Michael Bush, but like maybe later in the year, you know, that sort of a thing with him. So I, I, it's not like he's going to be on the opening day roster or anything. Um, so that that's where my head's at on the shortstop part. Like I also don't know. I I know the Dodgers were, you know. Everyone's talking about like the Brewers. Maybe they're not going to trade Willie Adames or something, which I, I get it. It makes sense, but that would be someone who who maybe the Dodgers can be interested in. And then you could also keep Lux at second. I do wonder. Uh, I I was looking into like maybe Luis Urias from the um uh, from the Brewers, who has like I think two three years left under team control or under arbitration. Excuse excuse me, but um, he is not like a world beater by any means, but he can all, he's, he would be more in the range of like guy they bring in as the, as the sort of um, um, like super utility infielder. He could play second, short and third and average ish bat. Like that would work even if he doesn't like start every day. So something like that, I think would make sense. And that you can even like, still have Lux at shortstop in that case, and then just move Urias around. If Michael Bush is ready at some point, you can call him up to bat occasionally at second and then, you know, move Luis Urias around as needed. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking outside. I'm just thinking out loud here, but um, that that's sort of where my head's at on that one. If you were the head of baseball operations for the Mets, Phillies, or Braves, how much does winning the division concern you? I mean, do you look at trying to beat the other two NL East teams, or is it just finishing better than the second place NL Central team at the goal? I, I think you try to win the division as much as like, um, you know, after the fact, people would say like, "Oh, well, the 
the Dodgers had five days off. The Mets, uh, the Mets didn't because they didn't win the division. But um, you know, you, you could look at like the Braves also lost the division or lost the division series after having the five days off. The Mets, you could also have the the, the opposite view. They lost the division even though they tied with the Braves. And then they lost in the wild card round and their season was over before it even started, like instead of even getting there. So I think the goal is to win the division and you you, you just try to set yourself self up with the best possible situation there where you can like where you can set your rotation. Like the Dodgers, obviously, they were set up the best in terms of going into the playoffs. They just didn't play well, right? Like you you also have to play well, but the the best way to try to set yourself up to that is by having the players who play well more often than most. So, and that's by just having the best regular season team. So I think, I think they, you got, you just go for winning the division and, and sort of um, adjust accordingly, depending on how like, you know, the season goes. One of my nieces has always liked noodles in almost any form, pasta, ramen, or in this case, pan fried. She likes them more than almost any other food item. Is there a food item that either of you can always remember liking to the point that if it was on the menu or someone asked what you wanted, the food would immediately come to mind? Um, does does pizza count here, or is that like more of a finished product, or like because I know I think that I think that counts. I th- I think it's probably pizza for me. I could eat I can eat pizza like pretty much any time. I think especially um, if it's on a bagel, <laughs> you know, in bite size form. Um, uh, but yeah, I like that or tacos. Like, I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I know if, if I just had to pick one, it's, it's, it's pizza. Like I, I think that that's probably my go-to for this. Uh, Dagwood esque for me, sandwiches, oh, Espe- nice. especially sub sandwiches or hoagies or whatever you want to call them. It's sort of on a, on a roll, but really any sandwiches where that has reputation has continued um, for me for for a while now. Uh, my wife knows it. It's a joke. Yeah, at this point, uh, it's just uh, sandwiches are sandwiches are so great. I love sandwiches. It gets to the point where uh, I. I don't like having, well, it is, you know, more cost effective to like, obviously make your own sandwiches, but like I get to the point where I don't, I don't want to like have all the stuff on hand to make like a proper sandwich, (laughs) you know, you know what I mean? Like to, to on scale, like to, to where otherwise it's not cost. So, but the occasional, like going out, like on from a, um, you know, like a chain, uh, restaurant type sandwich or, or anywhere really, but like just a good sandwich every once in a while is so good. Yeah, I love it. You're you're onto something there. Yeah. Plus, there, there's so many directions you can go to. Like the the real trick for me though is like I'm similar to you in that I I don't always have it on hand because I try to avoid eating too much bread like that. But when yeah. I make a sandwich, I make my own rolls and I make you know three or four, and they are yeah. ex- especially with hoagie rolls. I think they're better the next day when the sort of the, the Italian dressing and the mustard kind of absorbs into the bread. So I, I'm I, I've devolved or some would say evolved into um, Mr. Coupon Man when it comes to grocery shopping. Now I will um, just search into the earth's end to find a, a deal, you know, at, at the various grocery stores I go to. And about uh, a week and a half ago, uh, I believe the 
uh, my local Vons had um, it was King's Hawaiian rolls were like I think it was a dollar fifty off, and it's normally like a four dollar package for twelve, and they're just the mini rolls. So it was two fifty, and I bought that, and then I bought um, a, a package of like salami that was I don't know maybe. I don't remember how big it was, 10 ounces or something. And it was only like three fifty because it was also on sale. So for $6, <laughs> I had the greatest run of like four days of little mini sandwiches, probably two or three at a time. Um, and uh, I had, I didn't put, because it's just those mini sandwiches, I didn't put a bunch of stuff on it or anything. What I did do was put horseradish on one side of the bun or one, one, one half of the bun and mustard on the other half and then just like maybe four or five pieces of salami and i just had a little fun little mini sandwich and it was wonderful so <laughs> I, i'm with you on that i'm gonna now you know what let's go eat a sandwich how about that you got um, it that's it for us uh don't know exactly what we're gonna do um we might not have another one of these episodes for you until after the new year by then, obviously, the Dodgers will have signed several people. We'll talk about it after that. But thanks for listening uh, this entire year, and we will talk to you soon. 